Welcome to the Law Firm Growth Podcast, where we share the latest tips, tactics, and strategies for scaling your practice from the top experts in the world of growing law firms. Are you ready to take your practice to the next level? Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Law Firm Growth Podcast. I am here with a super exciting guest in Ronnie Deaver, who's the founder of No Bull Marketing. And you guys know that if there's one thing that I talk about all the time, it's the importance of specialty. And what I've loved about hearing Ronnie's story and getting to know him a little bit better on the pre-call is that he is focused super, super deep on something that I think is really, really, if not already a huge factor, very up and coming, which is Google My Business listing. So Ronnie, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Okay. So my first question is basically why Google My Business? What's gotten you focused on this? And you know, why do you think it's such an important platform for people to be on right now? Yeah. I mean, a lot of lawyers don't realize this, but I've actually tracked uh, about 150 unique legal campaigns, right? So 150 separate lawyers. That's ranging PI to state planning, to family law, to criminal, to immigration, everything in between. I set up call tracking all of them. So I tracked every call, every form, every live chat. If a lead came in, I knew about it. And every single time I consistently found, surprised everyone, that 60 to 80% of the leads that they generated came directly from and or indirectly from Google My Business. And it's honestly, in my opinion, at this point, probably about one step above importance, even than your website. And the reason I say that is nowadays, if even somebody Googles your name, the first thing they see is not your website. The first thing they see is Google My Business and your reviews. So like I like to always say, all roads lead to Google My Business. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because I feel like a lot of the times it is sort of a due diligence factor. So you know, obviously, it's probably a pretty significant investment, regardless of what the practice area of law is going to be. So it's like, you know, before somebody wants to whack down three, four, five thousand dollars or or trust their, you know, life altering personal injury act case to it absolutely makes sense why people are doing that. But it's kind of funny. I feel like I've been seeing the star rising for a little bit. Like I feel like it's almost taken the shine from a lot of the more traditional like link building SEO stuff that people were talking about. Why do you yeah. think that is? Yeah, I think from what I see on the outside is basically for any small firm, anybody who's less than 10 lawyers, and even then, uh, you've effectively got no chance of any traditional SEO generating anything at all, right? Like at this time, you've got so many aggregators. You got Justia, you got lawyers.com, you got Martin Dell Hubble. I mean, you got Avo, you got them all. We're super lawyers. If you do a search like that in your market, say personal injury in New York City, right? You might maybe see a really large firm like Morgan & Morgan who's thrown down enough money to have the organic traffic there, right? which is now actually below Google My Business. That's one of the things that's happened is that on that Google search that you're trying to rank for, it's actually Google My Business is higher than your traditional organic results where you go to your website, all right? But even if you could afford it, which you can't because you're gonna be spending no less than $20,000 a month to compete for that, right? Even if you could afford that, which a lot of lawyers, some, some bigger campaigns can, bigger lawyers can, the percentage of people who call you from your website is actually a lot lower than the percentage of people who call you from Google My Business. I actually did the tracking on this and I found about 75% of people will actually call you directly from Google My Business without ever looking at your website, right? And now to be clear, people who call from your website have the benefit of typically being higher quality. They've spent some more time researching. So I'm not saying that the website doesn't have a role and that there isn't you know, volume there and money to be made. But regardless, when you combine the factors of one, you can't afford ranking that highly anyways because of the aggregators. Two, Google My Business is actually showing up physically higher on the searches that people are making, 
right? With three, the volume of people who call actually is higher on Google My Business compared to your website. All of those combined that at the end of the day, like Google My Business is where the money's at. And normal SEO, uh, traditional SEOs, you might call it with backlink building, content generation, all that. Like it still has a place and it still supports Google My Business, but I haven't seen it actually drive ROI unless you can afford it at an insane level, 20,000 plus dollars a month. Yeah, it's kind of interesting that you mentioned that. I, I'm, I'm actually recalling a slide that I have on, on one of our, uh, our sales decks, actually. And I had to take a picture of just what the, the Google listing had to honestly was to poop on it. But it's funny because yeah, to your point, you know, it's all these, these third uh, these third party uh, listings. And the thing that's kind of interesting, I feel like we're, if I'm thinking about my own personal behavior, uh, what was I doing the other day? I was ordering Indian food and yep, basically, restaurants. <laughs> yeah. And what did I do? I clicked the, uh, I clicked the, the blue hyperlink to, to dial in my phone. And that was, that was pretty much what I did. So it's like, I think it's ingrained in consumer behavior. Um, oh, we just I look al- at those reviews. It's on that map. We don't, we don't even think to look at websites anymore. Yeah. And well, it's interesting too, because it's like, I feel like the, the Amazonification of the modern day consumer, it's just like, what do people look at? They look at the stars. It's pretty much it. And <laughs> That's you know, it. at some point it's like, basically you have this guy's website and I'm sure he's says he's pretty cool. He's, he's got a little bit of investment in telling you that. I feel like there's trust going down in the spots like Justia and Avo and like Yelp and that kind of stuff. People know that there's some sort of a pay to play angle. So like what's yeah. left to be the last, you know, neutral territory where, you know, the best reviews win. Yeah. Yeah. And when, uh, the way I like to think about it is Google My Business is kind of the online equivalent of how would you build a referral business online, right? Like in the real world, you get known, right? People know about you. They talk about you. They speak well of you. They give good reviews of you. In the real world, they talk about you word of mouth, right? Mm-hmm. And they think you're an expert and they trust you and you've built that over time, right? Well, how do you translate the online world? Well, effectively Google My Business where people can see reviews. They can see what your experience was. If you put the information on the profile, people can see that you're an expert, that you're trustworthy, that you're consistently showing up as a good business owner, right? Like you can really kind of show yourself off and build that reputation effectively on Google My Business. It's the online equivalent of the referral world. Right. That's awesome. All right. So to switch gears a little bit, for all the people, I'm sure you see a lot of these, Ronnie. What are the things that you see besides not paying attention to the platform in the first place that attorneys are messing up when they set up their Google My Business profile? Oh, absolutely. Number one is they think of it just as another directory listing, right? They just think of it as a profile to set once and forget. And they don't realize that like it's way more than a passive profile. I mean, it's a place that, you know, if you're willing to put the effort, you will be rewarded. And one of my favorite sayings in our industry is and people ask like, okay, all right, I want to do well in Google. Well, what is Google like? Well, Google likes Google. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what Google likes, right? Google likes Google. Okay. So what do you do to get Google to like you? Well, they need you to prove that you like Google. So what do you do? Everything you can possibly do on Google My <laughs> Business, all right? Because yeah. that's what they want. They want you to fill out the profile incredibly detailed. They want every product, every service, get as many reviews as you can, respond to every one of those reviews, make posts, upload photos, do questions and answers, right? Like anything you can do on that platform, do it because Google likes Google. And inevitably what will happen is if you put the effort in, you're going to see that rewarded in increased rankings and of course, increased phone calls from that platform. So, and um, one thing that's come up a little bit recently, and this is kind of something interesting. I, we ran into a couple of clients that had this issue. So I know that there's been a bit of a crackdown in terms of getting locations verified. And I know uh, if, if I'm not mistaken, there was a huge uh, epidemic of, of people making fake locksmiths or something like that about five or 10 years ago. Yeah. I don't know if you're about that. It happened in lawyers too. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that's a super Fake accounts. Yeah. 
Yeah. And then basically people were ranking these to sell the leads essentially. But again, that just kind of proves how strong the strategy is overall. Yeah. But as far as the people who might be getting started for the first time, what do you recommend for people that might, I mean, again, it's, it's 2022. A lot of times people who might be new to having a practice might be saying, Hey, look, it's pandemic. I don't need to have an office in the first place. What do you do for the people that are having a hard time getting the actual postcard to review their listing? Yeah, it's a great question. <laughs> and the, uh, the first thing I kind of want to cover on that is that for all the people who are listening right now and are extremely angry that to have a Google My Business listing, they have to have a physical office location. I understand your pain and I want to share with you that there's actually a really good reason for it. And it actually protects you quite a lot. And the reason is the moment that they didn't need that, what ended up happening was Morgan and Morgan and all the big companies who had all the money they created thousands of listings in every city and every market and all the big players dominated the local businesses, which of course deletes the entire purpose of a, of a Google My Business profile, right? Is that it's meant to be your local businesses. But if any player with anyone can come in, it actually creates an environment where you can't compete as a smaller player. But just that aside, what do you actually do in that situation? Well, there's a couple of ways you can do it. The easiest way is if you have a home office and you're willing to put it out there, hey, use that address if you're in a market that's worth serving, right? So I had a person who was in Orlando, for example, and turns out they lived in a fairly wealthy market. They are an estate planner, right? So being in a wealthy market, you know, Google My Business is inherently distance-based, right? You're only going to really rank for about 25 miles outside of your location, maybe more if you're in a very rural part of, say, middle of nowhere, Ohio, right? But usually 25 miles is your radius limit. Uh, so what he did was say, just for easiest, right, we'll just use a home office. Now, assuming you don't want to put your home on the internet, which I understand, or your home's just not in a good market for what you do. The other alternative, which is actually fairly easy, is basically, I say this is worth it, right? It's going to cost a little bit of money, but not much. And it's worth it because of how many leads you can generate from this profile is you make a deal with a local non-competitive business in a market you want to serve, right? So say like a dentist, right? You make a deal with that dentist and you say, hey, I will pay you 100 bucks a month to say and sign a contract with me that says I can use one of your back offices at least one time a month, right? And then you make that deal. So then you have an official lease agreement, right? And then you go to Google and of course, make sure they're willing to accept your mail, <laughs> right? Yeah. Or at the very least, take a picture of it, right? You only need that one postcard, right? And so they make that deal, go get it verified. And in the worst case scenario, the reason why this lease agreement matters is say you get suspended at some point. Well, then you can go back to Google and say, hey, I can prove I have this lease agreement. Boom, it exists, Right. And even better, if you have to, they, they want to do a little photo verification of like, hey, do you actually have an office? Well, you can buy a $50 plaque online, go to that local business, say, hey, I need to use the office for this one day. Like we agreed. Great. Let me put my plaque up on the door, take a photo, snap it and send it to Google. Right. And so that's probably the easiest way to get around it. Now, for anybody who's saying, can I like totally 100% not need an address? The answer is effectively a hard no. I'd love to give you a better answer, but it's just not going to work. As one mentioned, it protects you. And two, you could do a service area-based business, which is to say on Google, have the option of no address and say you serve a certain market, but it doesn't rank well. It doesn't get the traffic at that point. It's effectively not worth having at all, right? So you really want to have a address ideal around you that you want to serve within about a 25-mile range for each type of practice, right? Because like personal injury tends towards a poorer demographic, right? Mm -hmm. State planning tends towards a wealthier demographic, right? Family law tends to more the middle-class demographic. So where you want to be is much more based on like, the actual demographics of a specific zip code right in that area around. But either way, yes, you have to have a location. Yes, I know it's annoying. And yes, there are ways to make it easier, but no, not completely circumvented. Okay, no, that's awesome. And I think it's kind of a general trend that we've seen. I mean, I think at least as long as I've been in it, just like, you know, it, it's becoming harder and harder for things to get like spammy or scammy or whatever it happens to be. So ultimately, while it is a pain in the butt, it is, you know, I think for the better 
the best for the better for the, you know, both the businesses and the consumers out there. So, you know, big G, do no evil, maybe not a hundred percent true, but uh, most of the, and either way, there's money to be made, man. Yeah. Like, I mean, I've got multiple clients who make over 10,000, $15,000 a month. Easy. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, even more than that, $25,000 a month, just from Google, my business, right. Yeah. Just, just from that, not including any of their other lead sources. Right. Yeah. Like, there's money to be made. And the most you're paying is what, a hundred bucks a month, right? For to yeah. pay, make some kind of lease agreement. Like, sure. Come on, man. <laughs> He's not right. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So for, for all the algorithm heads out there, I know you mentioned that proximity is something that's pretty important. We talked a little bit about something uh, on the reviews on the pre-chat, but what are like the, you know, what's the 80, 20 of, of what's going to really move the needle in terms of getting somebody's rankings up on a Google, my business listing. Yeah, absolutely. I basically think of it in kind of, there's, there's two kind of big levers you can pull. And one of those levers is reviews, which I'll talk about in a moment. And the other level is just kind of consistent effort. Okay. And they work together. All right. So reviews are huge. They're about 35% of the overall ranking factor. And uh, 35% comes from a combination of two things. One, review velocity, which means how often you get reviews. For example, Google would rather you see get, you get maybe 20 reviews over four weeks. So five reviews a week. They'd rather see that than getting 20 reviews all at the start of the month, right? They want to see that consistency and that velocity, that frequency. And then second, of course, is the actual count, right? You know, it's better to have 100 reviews than it is to have 50 reviews, okay? So if you take some of that math I said earlier, which is like 60 to 80% of call volume and lead volume actually comes from Google My Business, and 35% of Google My Business ranking comes from review generation. That actually comes out to about 25% of all leads can be directly or indirectly correlated to the reviews you have on the platform, right? So reviews are huge, okay? And so the number one tip I give to people and I have a second corollary one. I'm actually going to cover the second corollary one first. The second tip I give people is be more aggressive than you think you should be. And the reason I say that is most people, most lawyers are like, well, they don't want to leave a review. They had a family law case or a criminal law case and it was really emotional and da, da, da. First of all, you don't know their emotions. And second of all, even if you're worried about another flip case, they're worried about being a bad review. Hard reality is most people just don't care that much about you right? Like they're, they're not going to leave you a bad review unless you did something horribly unethical. Okay. So like how many times have you gone to a restaurant and you got average food and you didn't bother to go on Google and leave a review and say how bad it was, right? Like you don't care unless they gave you food poisoning. It was just really terrible. You don't bother. So anyways, just be more aggressive than you think you should. And it's worth it. Right. But my main tip I give people is a lot of lawyers have this myth and they think that they can only get reviews from paying clients and of course also happy clients. And neither of those things are true. You can in fact get reviews from anyone you gave value to, legal value to, anyone you gave legal value to. So if you think about what they're doing here at Case Fuel, right, with estate planning seminars, you've actually got a huge opportunity here at the end of any seminar you, you do, say you have a presentation to 60 people at a nursing home. Oh well, yeah, maybe you get three, four clients out of it. Well, at the end of that, you actually have a chance to ask all 60 people who just sat in a room for at least an hour listening to you about legal advice or legal knowledge, ask them for a review. I have a bunch of estate planning lawyers who once a quarter go do a, a, plan, a seminar they're already going to do, and then they go get 15, 20 reviews just like that, right? From something they're already going to do. I have other lawyers, what they do is they give a lot of free consultations, especially like in personal injury, for example, right? And they're giving these, these, these consultations anyways, and they're already spending 30, 45 minutes with these people, and maybe they turn them down for whatever reason, or the client doesn't work out. Well, you just spent 30, 45 minutes with that person to give them advice and thoughts. Ask them for a review. Did you give actual value? Do you think they you know, got something out of it? Ask for the review, right? So there's a lot more opportunities to ask for reviews uh, than you might think there are when you actually consider that the only requirement is that you gave legal value. So if 
you were to go, go put these two tips into place, one, find every unique opportunity you can, and two, be more aggressive than you think you should and not being afraid of it because the downsides are minimal. And most people just don't care that much, right? Uh, and the upsides are huge, okay? If you put all that into place, that's going to have a massive impact on your campaign. And what it's going to do is you're going to get a giant boost initially of Google saying, hey, these guys are these guys are really relevant, right? And you'll see more calls within probably about two, three weeks. It can sometimes be as quick as a week, but I like to say two, three minimum mm -hmm. uh, or, or is usually what I expect. Uh, but it's going to have an immediate boost on your campaign on seeing more calls, more clicks, more traffic, more profile views, right? Google loves people proving that, hey, they are actually trustworthy. People like these guys consistently. That's great. Now, pause though, because this is what I was talking about. There's two parts here, right? Because basically, if you only do reviews, what most lawyers do is they get a bunch of reviews in one month because they think about it. And then they never think about it again for six, you know, six months, right? Mm -hmm. And so what happens is they boom, right? And then it slowly trickles down month over month in terms of profile views, calls, and lead gen, right? Because they stop working on it, right? They get those reviews. And then they boom, and then they bust, and they boom, and they bust, and they just keep going back and forth, back and forth, okay? And so the second factor here is consistency of effort that Google really wants to see. So they'd rather you see consistently getting a couple of reviews a month and consistently putting in some of that grunt work we talked about earlier, doing posts, adding photos, doing questions and answers, adding products, adding services, right? Just being really active on that profile consistently, right? So if you combine just those two things together, get reviews, right, consistently, right? Put effort in consistently, put those two things together and you will crush your local competitors. Yeah. Ronnie, that's fantastic. I'll actually recommend anyone who uh, is a competitor or non-case client, please delete this episode. Forget he ever said that because that is too much. That's too much value. And I hope anyone, anyways, no, that's really fantastic. And I'll also say this too, jokes aside, it's a huge lever because what I've noticed in, in, in terms of like the breakdown of different practice areas, it's always kind of funny because, you know, the PI guys, everyone's following the big dogs. Like I see PI firms that have a thousand, fifteen hundred, like multiple thousands. But for estate planning, honest to God, in most markets that we look at. It's um, so outside, weak. Yeah. 2025 will get you in the top three most places, honestly. Yeah. And to think that, you know, that that's that's volume that realistically is happening on, you know, individual seminars that people are doing sometimes. Yeah. So there's fantastic. room right now for an estate planning lawyer to come into any market and just dominate. Like it's silly. I go look at any estate like estate planning market. I'm always like shocked. Like 28 reviews is the number one slot. 30 reviews max. I think the most I've ever seen an estate planning lawyer have is 50. Right. So if you were to bring like what you guys are doing with Case Fuel and combine that with GMB. And just get a bunch of reviews like that from all these seminars you're already doing. Oh my gosh, crush it. Yeah. I mean, it's super crazy too, because it's just like, you I know, mean, I'll, I'll, I'll soapbox for a little bit too, as far as kind of the estate planning stuff too, just like, it's crazy because I think there's a lot of people in the market who talk about, uh, especially the document pre-prep. No one, no one's considering probate stuff, light work by, by any means, but um, a lot of people do it for the lifestyle perspective. And, you know, that's a huge opportunity for anyone who's actually looking to scale, you know, start implementing tips like this stuff. And, and then, you know, you might be closer than you think. And, you know, whatever, if, don't worry about the work until it comes. And then, you know, if you have the money, it's not going to be a problem finding people to do it. So anyways, and rant, but um, Ronnie, that's fantastic, man. So let's, let's keep going on some of this grunt work stuff. So if we're getting a review and again, uh, you know, I want to stress too, just to kind of co-sign on this, you know, blasts are great, but the real change comes from lasting habits that you're implementing for yourself or for Consistent, the firm, depending yeah. on your side. Right. But once we have that stuff in place, let's talk about more about this grunt work. Let's talk about the posting. What does Google want? Yeah. So as we said, Google likes Google. So really there's, there's so much. And again, I was talking about this in the beginning that a lot of people think this is just a passive profile set and forget once. And I'm just, it's a, 
It's not. I mean, it's actually, weirdly enough, it's kind of like a social platform. I'll be honest, it's a terrible social platform. So don't think of it like a social <laughs> platform. That's not the reason you should do it. I've never once like reported on how many views did some post I did on Google My Business get or how many people saw your photo or watched your video. None of those metrics matter in the least. The only reason you do it is because that consistent effort gets Google happy which means Google ranks you higher, which means you get more call volume. So it's profitable effort. It's not about like a typical social platform. Like you might think of like posting on Instagram or TikTok or whatever have you. You're not doing it for the views, not at all, right? But in that grunt work, right? I mean, the most common stuff is Google really wants to see you upload at least one photo every single week. Okay, so that's an easy one. Uh, at least one post. So again, a post can be very simple. Anything you, heck, you can even automate this. If you're already posting on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram or whatever have you, you can set up like an automation with Zapier and you can just automatically have it post to Google My Business, right? So like, but at least posting one time a week is the effort they want to see. Uh, and then one of the pro tips, this is the pro tip for anyone who really wants to put the effort in. This is one of the best ways that you can put a bunch of extra content and prove your expertise on Google My Business. There is a feature called questions and answers that nobody, I swear to God, nobody in any market, even the big guys, Morgan and Morgan doesn't use, okay? And here's the thing, they don't use it because they think that a client has to be the one to ask the question. And so they only respond to the rare time that a client posts a question, which of course is almost never, right? Because that's not the fastest way to get an answer. Nobody, nobody goes on Google My Business to post a question they want an answer to quickly. So nobody posts one, right? But what you can do is you can ask yourself a question, all right? So say my estate planning lawyers, I have a question that puts on there, what is probate? What is the state administration? What is, you know, how do I get a will? What's the process of getting a will? What's a trust? What's a, all those questions, I just ask it on a separate account of mine. I have a, an account called Gale Poster, right? It's just, a, it's just an account I have called Gale Poster that just goes in and asks ourselves the question. And then we log in back from the business owner and we answer that question with about 500 characters. But throw in 500 characters and you add that up every month, right? We're adding at least like a thousand words a month to that profile. Right. And of course, it's contextually relevant. We're answering these questions. It's detailed. It's keyword targeted. Right. Like it's relevant. And we're just really pushing into Google saying, hey, we are an expert in what we do. We know everything about this space. Okay. So we just look fantastic. And so, questions and answers is another form of grunt work. Some final comments on grunt work is on the back end, you can put a lot of work into uh, services. Uh, so, for example, uh, criminal lawyers can actually be broken out to like hundreds of different separate services. So, for example, uh, you can do this in any industry. Criminal is just on my mind right now. You could do is so a drug crime, for example, drug crime lawyer that breaks out into meth crime lawyer that breaks out into Xanax crime lawyer that breaks out into uh, marijuana crime lawyer. Right. You can you can break all these services down as much as you want and fill that profile out pretty aggressively. And the same thing is true as products. You can put products. Basically, it's the same thing as a service. It just you get to put a photo with it, and it shows up on the front end of Google, uh, and you can put everything there. So combine that all together. Just really put the work into the profile, both on the back end as well as the ongoing stuff with photos, posts, questions and answers, reviews, and also responding to reviews. Don't underestimate that. Google wants to see you responding to those reviews. Easy opportunity to throw some extra keywords and just prove that you're an expert. Oh, that's awesome. And also, I forget to mention this before too. Like for anyone who's on the fence about whether it makes sense to do this, I can tell you, like with certainty. There's a pattern that I see, and I don't know if you've ever seen this one, Ronnie, but like, you know, it's mostly when I'm just Googling for people and whatever markets that, that we're at, but like, you'll see these guys, they have like four reviews and they're like a three-star attorney and it's four yep. guys who love their work. And it's one opposing counselor, somebody that they pissed off yep. <laughs> that just left a one-star review and they can't yep. get it done. I would say, honestly, for the most part, like you got to assume that those are going to come at some point. So oh, yeah. you got to play offense on that stuff. Honestly, God, it's like, if you're not building up, that's the best way to shut them up. Right. The best defense is an aggressive offense, man. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, there's not the only way to handle because here's the thing. There's actually two factors here. First of all, you're going to get a bad review every now and then. It's going to happen, right? Uh, the worst ones are the ones where somebody who lost against you, right? And you can yeah. report it and you can fight it. And it's a waste of time. You're, you're not going to get it approved. And you, you don't waste your energy, emotions, thought, time, any money trying to remove a bad review. Total waste of time, okay? But the other factor that's going to hit you is about 10 to 20% of any review you try to get is not going to get published, okay? And that's for one or many reasons, but basically Google flags reviews and people for spam all the time, all right? And I just keep seeing about 10 to 20% of the reviews you try to get are not going to publish. So it's really annoying. So the reality is about, if you include maybe, it'd be very aggressive if every review, if 10% of the reviews you got were negative, but assuming you did, right, we combine about a 20% fail rate with a 10% bad review rate, right? We're expecting about 30% of every review we get is either going to not publish or be bad, right? Which means if we want to get five reviews a month, well, we need to be gunning to at least get like maybe eight, nine reviews that we actually, you know, verify that somebody tried. Right. Because that'll at least give us good five positive ones, maybe one negative one, and then a couple that don't publish. Right. But again, the only thing you can actually do, the only thing you can control, everything else is just fretting, thought, worrying, and worthless. You can't do anything about it. The only thing you can 100% control in this process is how aggressive you get and how you look for new reviews. All right. I mean, you can even go out. I did this once with a client. He couldn't get reviews. I say, great. I'm going to go into a random Facebook group called Los Angeles Help. Right. It's a group where people, Los Angeles assistance. All right. And I made a deal. Right, literally made a deal with the the owner of that Facebook group. I said, "Look, I have an attorney. They'll do a free Q and A in here if you don't mind them leaving a review if they found him helpful." Right, and she was like, "Sure, I'd love to have an attorney." And so we had this attorney come into this Facebook group, and they did a, a Q and A, and we got fifteen, like like 10, 15 reviews out of it, right, from a freaking Q and A. Like there are creative ways to get reviews. So anybody who's telling me you can't do it, you can do it. You're just not trying hard enough. Yeah, that's super clever. Okay, I want to ask you kind of an old head question. What's the deal with citations these days? Does that matter anymore? Mostly not. I mean, a lot of old heads would say yes, absolutely. <laughs> Defend it to the last yeah. bloody dead, yeah. dead citation listening. I mean, I do it, one, because people expect me to do it. And two, like, I mean, consistency matters. So I won't say name, address, phone number, consistency still matters. That is absolutely true, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so what, you, what that means for anybody who doesn't know, it's called NAP, N-A-P, name, address, phone number, consistency. That means that it wants to see the same name the name, same phone number, and the same address listed everywhere on the web. Okay, so for example, if you call yourself the law firm of blank, 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 well, that's very different than the law offices of the blank, 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 right? Or blank, blank, ESQ, right? Like Google really wants to see, okay, who are you? Are you this business or that? Like pick your name, right? They want that name address consistency. And so I still use tools like uh, Yext, which I have some complaints about, but it is the easiest one to use, which makes it very easy to go in and say, okay, great, we're going to have the exact same name, the exact same address and the exact same phone number across the web. And it does make it very easy for Google to see exactly what your name, address, phone number is across a lot, large variety of sources. So I still do it mostly for the name, address, phone number consistency. I'm certainly not doing it because I want the backlink from this random citation website where I'm like, <laughs> yeah. oh yeah, man, my domain authority, it's really gonna get boosted by these citations. Woo! Like, no, those days are long gone, right? But the name, address, phone number, consistency, I still find that worth it. And yes, I do still use tools. Uh, I use it through SEMrush, through Yext, but Yext is effectively the tool in the background through their partnership. Okay, super cool. And as far as like, you know, the con the contribution of organic links and stuff like that, I know that that was something that got, it was you know, a little bit more discussed, but I don't really know because I was reading this on SEO blogs and whether that was just a convenient uh, truth to spin as far as <laughs> what the effectiveness is. But like, where does that all traditional SEO fit into the mix as far as the effect on local SEO? Yeah. So I think of traditional SEO as a supporting metric. Okay. So I'm not going to say any of these things are not worth it. They absolutely are. All right. Am I going to say they're your priority or biggest thing that could move the needle? 
No, definitely not for local SEO, right? But do they have a major effect? Absolutely. Google is scanning your website at all times. Okay, they scan every page, every blog, every everything. And they're trying to understand to what degree are you an expert and an authority in your space, all right? And there's lots of different ways to signal that authority and that expertise. The obvious one being content production, of course, proves that you're an expert, right? And that you're an authority. And of course, also backlinks, right? Like backlinks still prove that other websites that are deemed trustworthy and have, if you know what it means, a high domain authority, long story short, it's just Google's scoring system for how good the website is. It's not even technically used is what people say. But regardless, a, a bigger website linking to you like Forbes is still better than some random mommy blog linking to you, regardless of what somebody says about domain authority. Those still signal to Google that, hey, this is a more authoritative website. And they're absolutely part of the overall calculation. Because at the end of the day, Google is trying to give the most authoritative result, right? The most high expertise, most consistent, the thing that's actually going to help people. But again, I'm not going to say that that's like the most important. I, for me, I'd probably put that at number three. Like number one for me is like put effort into Google My Business. The number two, and this might actually shock a lot of people, is actually, this is weird, but it's actually the quality of your call answering, okay? And the quality of your ability to actually do well with clients. And here's why, all right? Google knows when you somebody calls you and then they hang up and call somebody else. Google knows. They know every time they do that. So if they show you as one result and five out of 10 people call and within 30 seconds, they go back to Google and they call somebody else, Google knows. Google knows you're a bad result. They have the data. Right, Either you didn't answer the phone, you didn't give them the answer they want, you didn't have a good intake, you didn't have whatever that meant that that person right, moved on right? and they didn't like that result. right? And so you don't want to be that. right? And there's actually a stat somewhere that I read once that was like 70% of people work with the first attorney they talk to. right? So one, that's really helpful for closing. right? So be, talk to people as quickly as you can. right? But secondly, it really matters that like if they don't talk to you, they're going to go talk to somebody else. And Google can see that history and trend. So if somebody Googles you and they, they call... And then they immediately go back and they start looking at other people, do redoing their search, looking at other reviews. Google's going to see you as a less quality result, right? So you're trying, you know, your call answering actually helps a lot in preventing that. And the very least of just putting more time, like, hey, they answered the phone and they're spending three, four, five minutes with you, right? Like the equivalent from the old traditional SEO days would be uh, dwell time on the page. Google knows how long did you spend on that page? Well, if you spend more time on the page, they assume that's a good page, right? Because you got, you probably got the information you want. So if you spent more time, talking to the person you called, they know that, right? And nowadays default, Google actually includes call tracking by default, like call, like they, they put their own tracking number behind your number. So they certainly know how long that call was, right? Almost by default. So that they know that regardless, even if you're not assuming they're assuming it by you know search traffic afterwards, like they actually have the physical data of how long was that call. And that's gonna be a factor in your ranking. So that's number two for me. And then number three for me would then be your website general on-page SEO, typical backlink stuff. Man, that's fascinating. I don't know why I would assume that Google wouldn't be taking every single bar. I mean, but it's like, yeah, it's it's, it's basically, it's it's the phone equivalent of a, of a bouncer. Yeah, I was, exactly. I was like, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's so wild. Okay, and then basically while we're on the topic of metrics, I, I know you threw out some stuff about like views for different things, but like what are like, you know, high level, what should people be paying attention to in terms of, you know, determining whether they're, you know, Google My Business listing is effective or not? Yeah. So assuming you don't have access to technology like call tracking. So my honest answer is it's going to be track the calls, right? You can put a call tracking number on it. You can see the volume of calls. Um, if you do it correct, you can also see tracking of people who go to your website and it can tell me people clicked on Google My Business, went to your website and called you on your website. Like I actually track it down that level of grand, you know, granularity. That's actually the key metric of at the end of the day is how many calls you got. And even more key than that, how many cases did you get 
that are actually verifiably connected to Google My Business, right? And again, if you have the effort, the tracking, the spreadsheets, whatever, it's actually quite doable that you can actually see with no unclear certainty where, how many cases did you generate from Google My Business, right? So like that's, that's your number one metric, right? But assuming you don't have access to those metrics, either from the technology, the experience, the money, whatever your situation is, the next best metric is generally going to be uh, profile views, okay? And now, of course, you could also enable call tracking in Google My Business so you can actually, it's not great, because their call tracking only works when you click it. So like on a mobile device, it works, right? Right. But if you manually type in the number, or you're on desktop or whatever have you, like it's not going to track uh, because it, that's not how Google works. It's still showing your physical number. It only works on the click part where it gets to put a fancy code in and, and change the number basically so that you can track it. But so, but either, either way, at least you have some metric, right? Of call volume. So I would do that. Like if nothing else, like turn on their call history is what they call it. Turn that on, of course. So the call volume will be your, your, your number one metric. But barring that for whatever reason, then you're left with profile views. Because at the end of the day, the number one thing that correlates with more calls from Google My Business is how often do you show up and how many profile views are you getting, right? Because there's a very big difference. I mean, I've had lawyers who are profitably in a campaign with me, even with only 300 profile views, because in their market, 300 profile views and the number of views they have and how good their profile looks, that turned into 10 phone calls. 10 phone calls turned into three consultations. Three consultations turned into one $5,000 case, right? Like Mm -hmm. that happens all the time, right? Uh, so profile views have a pretty good correlation to how well you're doing. Now, finally, in that, if you have any kind of advanced tracking tools like SEMrush, you can actually get a pretty good consistent report on uh, what's your actual market share? How well are you showing up? Because one of the things I talk about all the time is you're never going to own the number one spot 100% of the time. Anytime it looks like somebody does, it, they don't. It doesn't exist. What you're only doing is you're trying to increase the percentage of time that you own that number one spot or number two or number three spot. You want to increase what's known as your share of local voice. Another term that people will know it under would be like market share, right? And again, that's going to highly depend on your market. If you're in Timbuktu, say middle of nowhere, like Salem, Ohio, you know, to have a good call volume, you need to have 30% of the market, right? To get a good call volume because you're in the middle of nowhere, Salem. There's just not that many people, right? But if you're in Los Angeles, like 2% could be 100 calls a month, right? Like you're crushing it, right? Like 2% is awesome. So don't get too caught up in the actual percentage. That's going to be highly dependent on your actual market. But the point is, Using tools like SEMrush, you can actually see, are you steadily increasing in overall market share? Did you go from 0.5 to 1% or 1% to 2%, right? You can see, am I trending upwards in my overall profile views, in my rankings, in my market share? Of course, ideally in call volume. And of course, even more ideally in cases signed. Okay, that's fantastic. And then as far as super nerdy question, but when it comes down to tracking, we obviously have the benefit if we're using a dedicated tracking member. I know that something definitively came from Google, whether they clicked it or they called it. Yep. Would that mess things up from the NAP listing? Yeah, so there's actually a really clever way around it that I, I, I actually invented a couple of years back that has, it has, I should say, <laughs> some lawyers really like it, some lawyers don't, okay? And so we're kind of depending on your situation, but there's, there are ways around it even then. Uh, so what I do for a lot of lawyers, especially the ones who don't have a vanity number or some number they've been working on for 20, 30 years that they really like love and value, right? Like some lawyers, they had this number since they started 20, 30 years ago. And they're like, this is my number. People know it. I'm never going to change it. Like this is the number they have to see, Right. And there's very, you know, there's a thing I can do for them that we'll talk about that in a minute. But assuming you're not that person, which a lot of lawyers are like, I mean, this used to be my cell phone. Now it's this. I don't really care. It's, it's just a number, right? Especially newer attorneys, right? What I do is actually create a track number that I then use effectively as their office number everywhere on their web. I replace their office number everywhere, right? And it becomes the number I hard code into the website into Google My Business on every directory listing, okay? Like that is the, the tracked number itself is the primary number 
everywhere from Google's perspective. Even if you look at the meta titles, like which is how Google reads the website, right? Like if you look at the titles of every page on the website, you will see my tracked number as this is their number, right? So I, I maintain name, address, phone number consistency by creating the tracked number as the consistent number, okay? And then you can do other fancy stuff like swapping on top of that, which allows you to, to do more granular tracking on the website, et cetera. But basically my track number becomes my solidified number. And the reason that matters is because then it doesn't matter if they click to call on Google My Business or if they manually type it in. No matter how they use that number, I will have it tracked, right? And I got the name, address, phone number consistency because that became my consistent office number that I use everywhere. Now, assuming you're in the situation where you have somebody where they really love their number, they're never giving it up, that's what the number they want. Well, in that scenario, I actually just had this come up, but she also really valued tracking because you have obviously one option, which is, hey man, you're not gonna be able to do tracking, at least not perfect tracking, right? Like you can you can have partial tracking. Like we could track the website uh, where we can do some fancy swap stuff, but it doesn't actually you know change the number. The number is still the same. And that we keep your name, address, phone number consistency because we just keep your primary number as the main number on the website. And then also the, name, the name, main number on Google My Business and your citations. And we'll have partial tracking by turning on call history, right? With Google My Business, like we talked about, which will at least give us how many people click to call, right? And then we'll have partial tracking from the website. But we're not going to know about the many people who just, you know, manually type your number. And we won't know that. So we can do that. But the other option, which is I just did with somebody, was we can actually set them up with their own call tracking software account where we sign it up under their credit card, their account, whatever. And then we actually port their number into the tracking number and we convert it into a tracking number. We actually make their original phone number a tracking number, right? So it has all the same functionality and we just load it into that account. So they get to keep that vanity number, but now they get all the benefits of tracking. So that's that's the best scenario, right? We just get to keep them over, but also make it a tracking number. Man, this is fantastic. I feel like every question I ask, there's a deeper rabbit hole than I had ever assumed. And <laughs> I try to keep it so high level, man. I'm really dude, trying. I know, but I'm telling you, I, I love this stuff. And, uh, you know... <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't say this on a lot of podcasts, but like this is this has been a super super eye opening for me. But yeah, man, I'm, we're getting to a little bit of towards the end of the time. But for anyone who's liking their hair and thinks this is super cool, what's a, what's the best way to get in your world? Yeah, man, the easiest way uh, you can contact me on my website, which is noblemarketing.co. That's n o b as in boy u l l marketing.co. No, I don't own the .com. I'm still gonna, I'm, well, I'm gonna buy it soon. It's five thousand dollars. It's coming up. It's been on my to do list for a long time. Yeah. You can also email me at rdiever, and that's R as in Roger, D as in dog, E-A, V as in Victor, E-R, at noblemarketing.co. And uh, I'm happy to chat with anyone just about their campaigns. And then uh, if you don't mind, uh, I'd love to share a little bit more about my offer, if that's okay with you. Yeah, go right ahead. Yeah, so the thing that kind of makes Noble Marketing unique, I mean, we really stand by the, the no BS, no bull marketing concept is that we actually have a three-month profit guarantee, which is saying, basically, if you work with me, for three months, I guarantee that your campaign will be profitable. That means gross profits for most lawyers that's 60 to 80% gross profit, which means I'd expect, say you spent, usually my campaign start at $14.97 a month, which means over three months, it's about $4,500, right? So I, I need you to make no less than, right? At least $4,500 in gross profit. So the campaign is getting to sustainability. But if I fail to do that in the first three months, and to be clear, I have fulfilled this, I've learned some lessons along the way. But if I fail that, I will work for free for up to three more months on top of that. So six months total, and if I fail after six months to have made you that money back, which I would be shocked, <laughs> but if I did, I'll actually give you all your money back. So all that $4,500 investment you put on, I'll give it right back to you at the end of the six months if I had failed to make that much money back to you. So I make it literally risk-free and I'm that confident that the work and the grunt work that I'm putting in these profiles, the strategies I'm putting into place, will work for you and we'll make money. So if you reach out to me, I'm going to help you make money. 
All right. That's fantastic. Ryan. And yeah. Um, it says a lot to have a guarantee like that. You can stand behind, but um, this has been an awesome conversation. I'm putting the official uh, Jan Roos seal of approval. Listen to this podcast again, listen to it three <laughs> times if you hadn't on double speed, but Ronnie, it's been an absolute slice dude. really, really appreciate all the insight that you brought to this. And for everybody else, I'll see you guys next Tuesday at 8 a.m. Eastern on the law firm growth podcast. Thank you for listening to the Law Firm Growth Podcast. For show notes, free resources, and more, head on over to casefuel.com slash podcast. Looking forward to catching up on the next episode. 